Alrighty, welcome back everybody to Faultline Podcast. It's been a mad month, but uh, joining me today, of course, I'm Alex Davis, there we are, but also back from Vegas, our esteemed editor Tommy Flanagan. Hello, welcome back. And my esteemed colleague, Raph Cohen. Hello. So, um, yeah, Tommy, NAB. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been an adventure from what I can hear. Yeah, sorry for the, uh, the hiatus. I mean, we had we had Easter in the in the UK, and then NAB, and naively, I I kind of assumed that I'd be able to record a podcast at some point during Las Vegas, either from the press room or do something on the on the show floor with a buzzing noise in the background, or just do it drunk back in my hotel room. But that was um, me thinking, having not been to a trade show in two and a half years, and forgetting how insanely busy and exhausting it was but yeah what show it was incredible it didn't get off to the best of starts or the best of finishes for anyone who wants to kind of live the show vicariously through me I'm just gonna kind of give you a general feeling of it without getting too deep into any technology stuff because you can head to our website for that um, so at the beginning uh, at US border control I got stopped um, and after queuing for ages, you know how it is for anyone who's been there, um, and was told that I needed a, a different type of visa because I was there as a journalist. I needed a, an I visa, and um, I kind of said, well, I, this is my third time in Vegas um, doing the same job, and I, I've never been told this before. And either she had a, I think, a really dry sense of humour, was probably in the wrong job, or... Um, fancied me because she just went um, if I, she said if, if I let you through right now there's going to be a whole lot of problems and then she just went stamp let me through so that was weird yeah and then checking at the hotel the next day head down to badge collection um, and get to the front of the queue uh, only to be told that my registration has been cancelled Oh, fun. <laughs> a classic. So thanks for that, um, NAB organisers. Yeah, that was that was a fun start. The middle was amazing. The next five days at the show were brilliant. As I've um, posted on LinkedIn and I've, I've said to various people in conversation, it was just so strange to be at a show, not just to be at a show after so long, to be at a show where people was so just elated it was bizarre you know even uh, day one two you might expect that even after four or five days people were still like absolutely buzzing just to be there and interviews were really jolly laughing and joking throughout you know even when I asked some like provocative um, stir in the pot typical fault line questions they just sort of laughed off and, and, and you know even the French guys were were really happy and I'm sure our friends at Atem, Broadpeak, um, VO um, won't mind me saying that. It was um, it was a really special but strange event. You know, one of the, the um, funniest comments I had while I was at NAB was um, someone said, oh, you're a lot taller than you sound on the podcast. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> so if that person listening to the podcast... Um, um, you know who you are, so thanks for that. That, that made me laugh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Either um, people think that this nasally voice, I'm some like little weasel or something. Don't realise I'm a six foot blonde bombshell. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, what an event. And and um, as I as I said, the the finish was a bit of a disaster. 
because on the on the last day um, I realised I was so behind on work I just got so carried away with booking all these back to back interviews and just seeing people and then going to these brilliant social events in the evening which is nothing new that's a normal trade show but I just forgotten all about it and so by the last day I'm completely behind hadn't written a single word and it's Wednesday um, we publish on Thursdays um, so unfortunately I had to cancel a few briefings Wednesday morning just head straight to the press room early doors with my carry-on case because I'm flying back Wednesday evening and had to check out the hotel in the morning heading up the escalator towards the press room with my carry-on case and all of a sudden it gets caught in the escalator and the, one of the wheels of the carry-on case like snaps off and gets stuck in the side of the escalator and like bends this bit of metal and I head to the top, drop my bag at the top, run back down in the other escalator Try head up back up the escalator, try to rescue my wheel from this bent bit of metal, and in the process, shred up my knuckles. <laughs> so that was blood all over my hands. <laughs> the uh, poor lady in the press room has taken pity on me. She's got some um, maintenance guy to come and help me. He eventually boots it out. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just an absolute mess of blood and bent metal and stress. And I eventually smash out thousands of words. But uh, alas, it's not enough. I have to um, call in the reinforcements and get Alex to do layout and, the, and upload it to the website in the finishing touches while I'm at Vegas Airport. But we got over the line. And yeah, a week later, well, six days later, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still recovering. But yeah, I'm ready to go again. But saying that, I won't be going again because it's anger next week and I don't think I'm, I'm ready to do anger. <laughs> no, and you're off to Boston in... Two, three weeks? Yeah, that'll be a very different affair. I think that's going to be, yeah, so it's a conference format. I'm moderating a panel. Um, yeah, it'll be my um, first time in Boston, first time ever at Streamer Media East. I know a few people um, are heading over there as well. So if you are, then yeah, we can do we can do some, um, some meetups as well. Yeah, really looking forward to it. So that was just sort of my um, non-techie... Um, uh, run through of, of my time at NAB but yeah um, what a show so do we reckon all the hype and enthusiasm will have muted itself slightly by ABC time or do you reckon that, you know, it's a European one and they got to kick loose for the first time too funny you should say that because m- almost all the Americans that I spoke to there were like oh, I, I way prefer IBC to NAB IBC is the one this isn't the Europeans speaking this is the this is the Americans so yeah they're absolutely buzzing for IBC I think yeah it's going to be even more important for a lot of companies because because of the hysteria of being back at this first broadcast event in years, people kind of forgot about why they were there, forgot about the core mission, forgot they were there to do business. People were just reconnecting, refamiliarizing with the industry. Some were like testing the waters of partners and competitors, and there was a bit of that, and and customers. But yeah, I mean, I read an article actually saying that um, uh, well, attendance was down from uh, like ninety one thousand in twenty nineteen to fifty two and a half, I think, off the top of my head. Um, this year, which is to be expected. But interestingly, it said that apparently it was a lot more serious people there this year compared to 2019, like more serious business people, less casual um, visitors, which might be true, but that wasn't something that I um, experienced during my interactions with people. It did it did feel a lot less serious to me and, and a lot more casual and just, yeah, just reconnecting. It was, as I said in, in my... Um, 
one of my um, summary write-ups that, yeah, it was probably like 90% of my meetings were with people that um, were familiar faces, people that subscribe to Faultline. If they don't subscribe, they regularly listen in or, or, or know who we are. And yeah, a very few... Um, new faces, new interactions. There were a few, there were a few little surprises, a few hidden gems, but yeah, I expect a lot more of that at IBC. So, actually, do you think if we have the budget for it, it's a very expensive event, but event, but do you think if we had the budget next year, all three of us could go? Do you reckon you guys would want to go along, given what I've just said? Over oh, to NAB. Yeah. 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 I think a NAB spring and an IBC autumn. Sounds like a decent annual calendar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're not wrong about the budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be hefty. It's not a cheap one. Oh my God, I, the beer prices and the, well, just ev- everything. How bad? All the prices have gone up just crazy amounts. How much for a pint? Since last one time I was there. I know, you're sort of talking $10, give or take. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they don't really do pints. It's what, 16 ounces or 22 so they'll, ounces? They'll do a 12, I think it's a 12 fluid ounce for the Yanks. 16 for us i just go can i have the biggest one you've got <laughs> one one large beer preferably. yeah that's my general rule of thumb all right well I, I said loads of times at the show um i wish i wish i had um more hands i wish i had more people here and uh, more help because i can't cover everything it's too much to do it's too much to see too many people too many places to be so yeah if, if there's three of us next year that'd be incredible imagine the kind of um output we can get from that so if you're listening boss put a few <laughs> thousand dollars aside please <laughs> <laughs> several thousand dollars sweet right well tommy thank you very much for a, a nab run through thank you i'm glad you're back and healing up your scars are uh... just about <laughs> it doesn't look like much but, but they're, they're quite deep well he needs a little bit to piss blood everywhere yeah yeah <laughs> sweet all right well um yeah we'll sort of uh, move on now to, of course, Faultline 937. Um, but it's Faultline 936 you want to check out for the NAB stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rafi, this week, uh, you've been checking out uh, Amazon's uh, audio no, voice surveillance exposed and Apple grapples with clean ads. So, Rafi, what's going on here? Uh, I guess just two different stories, really, showing the big tech struggle, struggles with uh, data privacy, you know, consumer privacy policies, um, you know, constantly regulators increasingly ring fence what they're able to do with their data. Um, and these two stories just kind of show different ends of the spectrum. Um, Amazon, which says it's doing loads of stuff to get out in front of regulation, but it seems that uh, a bunch of researchers have just exposed that it's actually still very behind the times. And then you've got Apple, which have has made an effort, but it's kind of coming back to bite it. Um, but we'll start with Amazon, uh, there's a study here from four universities from across the US, and they found that the Echo Speaker is essentially using voice data to target ads outside of Amazon's uh, remit. So it's not just saying that you know you asked about this certain song or TV program, so you're going to want to buy this thing on Amazon. Um, you know you're getting ads uh, if you're lo- just logged into Amazon on a web page, you're getting ads on all other websites you visit that are related to that thing. So there's a, quite a big accusation here about Amazon being a black box and really just spreading your data wherever it can to make as much money as possible. Um, so there were ten researchers. They kind of they used a custom Raspberry Pi router to 
record the network endpoints that were contacted by these kind of fake Amazon Echoes that they made. And they managed to make fake Amazon Echoes using the Alexa voice service SDK. Um, and then they kind of tested this replica system using various personas or kind of fake people. Uh, each persona would have a few interests that were tied to known third-party skills on the Alexa platform. Um, you know, things like connected car or pets or I uh, can't remember the other ones, like hobbies or something. Um, and they also had a very boring vanilla person as a control. Um, and they found that essentially if you fed Alexa skills certain personas, that, that would immediately start being reflected in all your web activity. Um, and there's always, the, you know, people always talk about, oh, it's spooky, you're, talking to, you're at the pub with a friend and talking about something and then on the way home you see an ad that's exactly about the thing you were talking about and then often that's dismissed as just coincidence but I mean this is quite a scary reminder that sometimes that is the case. Um, obviously Amazon has denied these claims um, saying that the report even though it's quite extensive clearly quite scientific technical minds behind it go into a lot of detail uh, it's free to read online. Um, they say it doesn't accurately reflect how Alexa worked um, but give no details as to where the actual inaccuracies are. Um, Amazon also said that third-party skills uh, all the companies that make them are required to post their own privacy policies. But the reporters found themselves that only 2.2% of all the third-party skills actually write about any of their privacy policies on the website, um, which means that the lack of information there is pretty concerning. Um, so that's kind of Amazon being told off by everyone at large. And then we have Apple, which has tried to, I guess, do the right thing and is you know, trying to be more upfront with its consumers. Uh, it's introduced, it's almost, I think we're pretty much uh, on a year on from it introducing the app transparency tracking framework, which essentially forces users to opt in to being tracked across apps. Um, and they've, you know, there's been a new study from Apps Flyer, I think, and it's found that only 46% of users are now opting in. Uh, this is less harsh than many expected. Many were thinking that it would be, you know, as low as 20% potentially. Uh, so it's double the est estimates we were seeing a year ago, but still a minority of all users. It just shows that shrinking addressable audience pools are going to drive up CPM and just audience targeting capabilities on you know mobile devices are completely destroyed. And this is probably soon going to apply to the rest of the digital world as soon as things like the DSA come into action or the Digital Services Act, which is the European legislation that says that people are going to have to opt in to having their data, you know, shared. And, you know, that's going to influence US policy just like GDPR did. So just a, a little snapshot of some companies trying and not doing so well. Yeah, and all these, uh, all these juicy opportunities for operators to uh, swell their ad revenue um, might land them in hot water if they, uh, they chase that down. Sweet. All right, thanks very much, Rafi. Um, move on now to another long-form piece. Uh, this is HESP limiting... Oh dear, HESP licensing limit scope as low latency market hots up. And uh, of course, behind the scenes, Rethink TV is uh, getting ready to look at CMAF and low latency HLS, low latency Dash. And of course, part of that is uh, working out uh, rivals and whatnot. So WebRTC, that does the same kind of low latency thing, uh, of course. But then there's HESP, and HESP is the high efficiency stream protocol. Sounds like an STI. 
Yeah, it sounds like something you don't want to catch. <laughs> oh, I feel a bit hespy today. But um, yeah, so so Hesp appears from uh, Teo or Theo Technologies. That comes out at NAB 2019. And then six months later, right, Cinemedia jumps in and says, hey, we love Hesp so much, we're making the Hesp Alliance. You're like, all right, here we go. 2020, Cinemedia, you know, Billy Big Shoots here. It's, it's off to the races. So... At this point, Billy Big Shoots off. Behind the scenes, right? We're like, okay, cool. We'll check in on the Hesper lines, and we'll see, we'll see how uh, many members we've added. And the answer was uh, six. Yeah, barely any. Um, which was just a bit strange because, like, we'd seen that G Core Labs had had added it, uh, and then uh, Greening of Streaming Backer Mainstreaming they, they've they've got on board. You see Easy DRM signed up, uh, and then the latest two members are people we never really heard of. Um, horrible startup name Scalstrom. Um, again, pretty infectious sounding, uh, and Video Conference Solutions, which should be praised for having a very clear name, um, even if it's a little uh, unexciting. So there's eight members, two years, uh, you know, not much enthusiasm. So you sort of go digging around and see what you can turn up. And um, it seems that there's a fairly decent parallel you can draw between um, HESP and HEVC because HEVC turns up and, you know, it's a great technology, um, adds a whole bunch of, you know, features that everyone's clamoring for. And then the royalty uh, issues are what sort of did it in. And it's why, you know, 15, 16 years on from uh, AVC, uh, it's still the, the dominant protocol, even though HEVC, the successor, um, should be there and, and should be better. So yeah, um, it seems that HESP is probably going to end up resigned to this sort of similar fate, where you are going to have to pay a fee uh, per hour of content that a user watches, per user and per device, so there's sort of three, three tiers there, um, annual caps at $25 million. And Hesper Alliance itself is the one that will be working it out. We're not really sure if there's going to be discounts, um, like volume discounts. It doesn't look like it because of that, that cap. Um, but sort of under the hood, like Hesp looks really similar to LL Dash. And if um, if it's that close to, to Dash, then the sort of question remains like, well, why wouldn't you go with low latency Dash plus CMAF? Because if you want the low latency bit, um, you know, Dash is kind of this open sort of de facto standard, um, low latency HLS coming in as well. So like most of the workflows are already familiar with um, HLS and Dash. So, you know, implementing the low latency versions won't be so bad. So yeah, HESP um, sort of, it, it's there and, and there's not all that much going on with it really from the outside. Um, we, we did a bit of questioning and we know that some major CDNs are sort of supporting it and some of the sort of smaller, more focused um, providers are, are there and they're ready to do it. And like, you know, it's it's poised, but again, it just comes back to you know that sort of question of well, why am I going to pay for it um, if I can use you know one of these alternatives for free? And I guess for Cinemedia at least, um, it sort of jumped onto Hesp um, really quickly so that it could um, sort of I guess corner the market to some extent. It could be you know the Hesp online video platform. Um, and currently, it doesn't really look like there's there's so much interest in it. So yeah, that, that opens up the you know the classic fault line angle of, of arguing about standards and efficiency and what if we could all work together and just make one really nice technology. But you know, we all know that that that's a <laughs> very naive and utopian view of it. And and um, yeah, it's inevitable that we end up with stuff like this. That's exactly why I use that quote as one of the crossheads in this week's issue. Um, your theoretical and obviously very um uh what's what's called when you, when you ask a question that doesn't get an answer 
Yeah, oh, don't do this. Don't rhetorical. Well. That's it. That's the rhetorical. One. That's the one. Obviously, a rhetorical question answering my own question. <laughs> Could there ever be actually be a single agreed upon way of streaming video? Yeah. Obviously, the answer is no because no. Um, it's a streaming video. Yeah. But it's, that's what it's all about. Keeps us on our toes. Exactly, and and it's like almost daft as well because like you go you go like down a level to like HTTP and stuff and like TCP and UDP and like those are like. You know, completely common languages that everyone agrees upon, and there's only one way of doing it. Because if you try and do it differently, you're just like cutting yourself off from the rest of the internet. Um, and you know, the, the the other narrative of oh, you know, video makes up so much of the internet traffic. Yeah, you just sort of look at it and go, well, you know, even saving a few percent in like video streaming efficiency would have this you know amazing benefit. Surely we can work it. No, no, you can't. Nope. <laughs> no, VLOS needs some royalties. So, um, Absolutely not. Yeah, o- open the wallet, would you? got to line some pockets somehow. Exactly. So, there we are. That's the long-form stuff for Fault Line 937. Um, I think we'll probably stick with the traditional format um, and go to five years ago uh, this week. So, Rafi, five years ago, what was what was going on? Southeast Asian OTT platform iFlix uh, announced that it was expanding to eight new countries in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, it just received a ton of investment from Sky, which was driving this expansion, as was the pressure for, you know, kind of newer services to grab a foothold in emerging markets because the likes of you and Netflix were kind of racing to make their mark as well. Um, so iFlix was founded in 2014 and by 2017, it had a base of 5 million users. It grown to 25 million by 2020, but then it was acquired by Tencent and we have no idea what's happened since. <laughs> No, um, the Chinese competition regulators have uh, been turning Ooh, the thumb screws. Tencent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tencent's been slapped down several times. So, um, mm, yeah. yeah. So, um, going back to a comment um, from earlier, actually, you said um, last week's issue, issue is where you go for the um, for the NAB stuff, which isn't actually true because, like, well, last week we had seven stories from NAB and this week we got five so they're both bumper issues next week I might scrape the barrel for one or two more but we might have moved on by then but yeah this week's issue and last week issues yeah there's there's loads of great stuff and um, actually um, one of the big news stories this week separate to NAB is that um, it happened in the Wi-Fi world is that um, Airties actually that was late last week um it's just agreed a deal to be taken over by a private e- private equity firm, and Asia early this week um, has sold its CloudCheck Wi-Fi assets to a company I've never heard of before called DZS. So um, yeah, that I just the 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 fact that those two deals are just days apart is just mad coincidence. So I'm hoping um, to get Airtime CEO Philippe on the phone next week. He's at NAB, but I have been told that there might be um, time to squeeze in a phone call. So, uh, yes, a lot more to come on that. Fingers that was crossed. the big news story of this week. Sweet. Excelente. Um, my little patch is, is content. And to be honest, not much happens in content. Um, but this week, we've seen a whole bunch of um, cancellations. And possibly the big one, Netflix binned um, Space Force, which is the sort of Steve Carell starring uh, show uh, about the new sort of American thing. But that, that's been ditched. Um, I think the cynics mean that you dive on it and say, oh, they're trying to cut costs because they've also ditched some animated stuff as well. Um, but then uh, we've sort of seen that this is uh, possibly the season for um, killing shows off because uh, Warner Discovery and Paramount have, have done it as well. Um, and yeah, uh, just another like slight point, box office stuff, like 
it seems that the mood is pretty high. Uh, but the Northman, which was this, you know, art house, high fantasy, you know, Viking, yeah, slasher, woo, and it was it was really billed as as a sort of a, a resurgence, like a, a line in the sand that we were gonna return to sort of fun, weird Hollywood films. And ninety million dollar budget, it made twenty five million on on the first weekend. So yeah, the uh, <laughs> the the hope of um, more exciting Hollywood that isn't just you know superheroes being each other up um, has been uh, yeah kicked to the drain yet again. So <laughs> we'll see if that's a lasting effect. Um, but with that, chaps, I think we've reached the end of fault line nine hundred and thirty seven. And uh, Tommy, yeah, um, possible nab follow ups next week. But anything else lined up for nine three eight? Um. Well, as I said, hopefully a call with um. Air ties. With yep. air ties. Yeah. I don't think I've got anything else booked in, possibly. Oh, yeah. Um, Mola. Mola TV. Anyone heard of them? No. Hopefully a call with them. They've got like some big fat blue fish logo. Does that, that sound familiar? No. Nah. Uh, probably not. Well, yeah, we'll find out. Big fat blue fish. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure whoever spent however many hours designing that. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting cancelled next, I think. Yeah, too dismissive of logos. Right, thank you very much, everybody. Um, of course, head to uh, rethinkresearch.biz to check out the free fault line uh, four-week trial. So there's where you'll find all our NAB stuff. Um, also, look at Rethink TV's uh, sort of mailers and stuff because we've put out our SVOD forecast finally, and I never want to look at it again, but I know I'll have to. Um, and, uh, yeah, a podcast review would be lovely if you could in your app of choice. And, um, yeah, keep us in the loop. If you've got any juicy tips, any juicy goss, um, fire that across. And uh, we will see you next week, probably. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. But, anyway, bye-bye from me. Cheers, then. See ya.